0: and turn to the third chapter of the book of Revelation. Starting in verse 14 of Revelations chapter 3, as we continue our study of the revelation of Jesus Christ unto the seven churches. Starting here in verse 14 of Revelations chapter 3, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, Increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my father in his throne." He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll be with us this morning as we glean from your word. Lord, I pray that today you make this word alive in us. May it grasp our thoughts. May it grasp our hearts. May it cling to our thoughts, Lord. May we not be able to escape it where we stand with you. May we be troubled that we may be part of the issue, a church afar from God, a member afar from God. Lord, I pray that even this morning, you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Pour it upon me, Lord. Give me the words that you would have me to speak this morning. I am unworthy, and yet I am still here and thankful for this opportunity to preach your word. Be with our church this morning. May we be able to push everything aside that is in our hearts and minds. We thank you, thank you, thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy that you have bestowed upon us. Lord, be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Growing up before there was a such thing as cordless phones, at least before there was a such thing as before cordless phones in my home, uh, my parents desired to have a cordless phone, but they couldn't. So what we had was a, a phone with like a 20 or 25 foot cord so that they could walk around the entire house on the phone. Well, this led to a lot of issues Because when you would run through the house, there was a high chance that you was accidentally going to trip over the cord, and when you tripped over the cord, you knocked the phone off the hook, nobody could get a hold of you. Well, what the phone company decided to do to help people with these kind of issues is that we ended up... When the phone would fall off the hook, you would have a dial tone for a few minutes, but then before long, it would make this loud noise, beep, 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 to alert you that your phone is off the hook. And before you could ever use that phone again, what would have to happen is that you would have to pick the phone back up and place it back on the base, and then take the phone back off, and then you could use the phone. When I was reading about the church of Laodicea, that is exactly what was coming to my mind. It is, I hear the beep, beep, beep. The church is falling off the base. It's incapable of being used. This is really what we are plagued with even in our nation today. Churches that are far from the heart of God. Members that are in the churches who are far from the heart of God. Now, I know what we say, and I know what we have said, and I think there's some truth in it, that we must keep our dreams greater than our memories. But let me tell you a truth. It is my memory that plagues me. The reality of a time where people used to fall on the altar for their sin. It was a time where people were convicted of their sin. And this isn't to spur people to come and fall upon the altar. My point is not that at all. My point is that there was a time in our own lives where we were so gripped with the burden of sin with the burden of family who's lost, with the burdens of the things of this life, that there was no other option in our mind but to get to the altar. We wasn't going to wait till we got in our car on the way home. We were gripped. Now we see even today, churches with altars that are untouched. They are foreign to our minds. People hardened from even a life of prayer. Bibles just as crisp as the day they bought them. What has happened to our church? What has happened to churches? This is not to say that, as I said, that the altar is representative of where we stand, but there is a clear understanding that brokenness is exactly a direct relation to where we stand with God. The church here of the Laodiceans have been completely disconnected. I believe that we live in the Laodicean age. We can still hear the beeps. Before it's all said and done, God will unveil to them why he said you guys have become so lukewarm, what he viewed as this condition of lukewarmness. It wasn't temperature, it was traits. We live in a day and age right now where the church has left its formal standing, its original roots, and what has drawn people away is materialistic, new ways, new inventions, new ways to worship. We must leave where we are, choosing and desiring to stir up something in the flesh to replace something that is spiritual, It amazes me that our hearts could once upon a time break when we sang Nakapala, but now we need lights. Break, and we would fall upon the altar, and the word of God was all that we needed. Why is it that we need more today? Why is it that we feel like something is missing? Why is it that God's word is not enough? I can tell you why. We are in the Laodicean age. We have stopped turning to God for our point of satisfaction. We've stopped looking to Christ to be our all in all. We've become materialistic. We've been driven by wealth. This church here in Laodicea, they said, we're doing great. Indeed, we have increased in goods. We have fared well where other churches that we've studied about previously, they had done so poorly in commerce. Remember the guilds. Remember they were kicked out of the trade unions because they would not recant their standing with Christ. But here, the Laodicean church, they said, hey, not only are we doing well, not only are we faring well, but we have increased in wealth. We have more money than we could ever imagine. They knew no such thing as being poor, they said were rich. Paul had encouraged the Colossians, remember at the end of the book of Colossians, in Colossians chapter 4 in the 16th verse, Paul had encouraged the, the, um, this letter to be taken to the Laodicean people and have it read to them. Why? Because it appears to us that the church at Colossae, which was just a few short miles from the Laodicean church, also suffered from the same heretical teachings that the Colossian church did. That Christ was not all in all. That Christ was not, his deity was questioned. That he was not to be preeminent. That he was not there at the beginnings of the world. And Paul here, in the Colossians, reminds them, and here the Lord reminds them, In the Laodicean church, I was there. Matter of fact, our understanding that they was fighting heretical things that questions Christ's deity makes us completely understand why the Lord had worded verse 14 in the way that he did. The desire for the Lord's explanation to the Laodicean church is that he must be preeminent in our life. He must be the source of our satisfaction. He must be viewed as the source of our wealth. He must be viewed as everything in our life. He is from where all blessings flow. We are to live with eternity on the mind, but that is not what happened in the Laodicean age. We have lived with the pocketbook in the mind. And it is a truth to even us. If we spend more time this week than in the pocketbook, than in the holy book, it really makes us understand we are truly here in this Laodicean age. Remember what John said in 1 John chapter 2, and verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. But that's not the troubling part. We say you're for sure. We are not to love the world. But remember what he goes on and says, if any man love the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. There's the troubling part. What did he tell us in Matthew, say in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But he goes on to the 20th verse and says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. We're saying great, but the troubling part is the 21st verse, where it says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the problem we see here in the Laodicean age. Their heart is with their treasure. Their heart was originally founded. Their original start was with Christ. But somewhere along the way, they had become lukewarm. As we studied in the book of James, they had bit the bait, fully compromised, fully in, 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 engulfed, encapsulated with the way of Leo they had become consumed. It is amazing to me that even at the end of this verse that Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is mind boggling to me. Jesus is saying, I stand at the door and knock. Now, imagine it like this. You built this beautiful house. Matter of fact, this house that you built Not only did you give your whole life to, but it's going to end up costing your life to keep it. And then after it's finally built before your eyes, someone tells you, because you did this work, because you built this mighty work, you're no longer allowed to enter into it. Christ died for the church. He gave him for the church and yet we find ourselves even on the outside of the doorsteps Jesus is knocking on the door trying to gain entrance in that which he built this is baffling to me if this was our situation if this is what we were to uh to experience we would flee in anger Yet Christ and his love is still knocking, desiring to be established again in the church as the preeminent source of worship, wealth, life, living. But he has been pushed out. We have increased in goods. We have increased in money. We have increased in comfort. We have increased in numbers. And they were so busy that they threw the Lord out of his own church. And yet he knocks on the door because of his desire to fellowship. The knocking on the door is what reminded me and made me even think this the beeping of the phone is going on. Something is wrong. The church has become disconnected from the base. Let me explain some things to you historically about Laodicea, which will really, of all the churches where we provided a historical context to open our eyes to the text, Laodicea is the num- numero uno, number one church that once you understand the context, that the whole scripture, what the Lord is telling them, makes even more of an understanding to us. I love how the Lord writes intimately to his children. I love how to every church he just didn't send a blanket stamp. Our Lord is desiring in each and every one of their churches, even in our church today, desiring to fill out what is missing in our lives so that we can get them right. Why? So that we can have a closer fellowship with him. Notice here that historically this church, Laodicea, is located about 50 miles southeast of the church that we had just previously studied last week, the Church of Philadelphia. We've kind of, I said that this is a postal route, and it's kind of a funny shaped horseshoe that we've started, and this is a postal route that's now stopped with the very bottom church, this church of the Laodiceans. This is located in the Lycus River Valley, not far from Colossae and not far from Hierapolis, which is important to why the Lord said what he said to them. The name of the Laodicean church, we probably know it. It means that the people rule, the place where the people rule, or the place in which the people are ruling. This place, Laodicea, was rebuilt by the second king of Syria, Antiochus, who named this place after his beautiful, loving wife, Laodiceus, whom he would later divorce, and then she would poison him and kill him. What a wonderful marriage. But the city stayed named after her. So their major source of commerce was black wool. It was textile. It was medicine. Very interesting enough. This place was a place that specialized in a very high-end, expensive ISAV, which will bring better understanding later. The Lord, in the opening of this letter here in verse 14, with this very interesting opening in the studies of our churches we've already seen so far, remember, unto the church, in Sardis, unto the angel of the Lord, or to the angel of the church in Sardis, unto the angel of the church in Pergamus, unto the angel of church in Thyatira. But notice how the Lord opens this here, on, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. You see, God has, the Lord has taken this away from this is not a church in a specific location, more that he's trying to draw the attention that this is a church of a specific people. You have made this your church. I have a church in Pergamos. This church belongs to the Laodiceans because they have grown so cold. This is not what my church stands for. There is no commendations in this letter at all. Of all the churches that we've seen so far, the Lord doesn't give them one commendation. Nothing at all. This is your church. You've made it what you wanted it to be. And you have thrown me to the outside of the building. These things saith the amen. Now, when we use this word, amen, we say it here, even in our services. Amen means to, to affirm. When we say amen, we are affirming a truth that is being presented. We are saying that that which is being said is a whole truth. That we can completely agree with it. This is the purpose of this song. By the way, we're, we're not attempting to give the history and coverage of Laodicea. We are attempting to take the word of God and plant it in our hearts so that we can say amen and amen. This is the truth. This is what happens when you become materialistic. This is what happens when you become unsatisfied with just having a relationship with Jesus. This is what happens when you become involved in a seeker seeker sensor movement, when everything is about trying to seek the new things and incorporate it into our Lord. I have nothing wrong with, you know, trying new things and doing new things and outreach and ministry, but I have a problem when we're trying to do this to make up for what we do not have. Here they are reminded that Jesus is the fullest amen to all of man's needs. Here we're reminded that, we're even reminded of John 14 and verse 6 that Jesus is the source of all truth. That Jesus is the amen to all of God's promises. He is the amen to all of God's covenants. We see that in first Corinthians chapter one and verse 20. He says, for all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. He is the amen to it all. He is this faithful and true witness. Why does this even matter at all? Why such terminology? He is the faithful and true witness. Why would they even care that Jesus Christ is the faithful and true witness? I tell you why. It is the same reason that we even say things today. When I bring bad information to you or when someone brings bad information to me, the first words out of my lips is, who told you that? How did you hear about this? Tell me how you even formulated in your mind to bring me this information. Jesus said, I am the faithful and true witness. He wanted them to know by knowing the source of this information, they can trust the validity of it. Meaning that everything that the Lord is preparing to tell to to the church of Laodicea, it is completely true and it's completely valid because of the source who told it unto the church of the Laodiceans. The same, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And I was thinking about this, you know, this faithful and true witness, this statement that is brought forth that is completely true. It is completely valid, yet it is coming from one single source. I thought about even Joseph in the Old Testament when he brought back an evil report to his father, yet the other 10 brothers opposed his father believed him. This is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who's bringing back this faithful witness even against our church. Today, this was an appropriately beginning to this letter to the Laodiceans because it affirmed to them that Christ had accurately accessed their condition. This is the one thing that we can take away from the church of Laodicea. You can bluff me, you can bluff your spouse, you can bluff your children, you can bluff anyone you want, but it is uh, it is imperative to understand the one that brings down judgment upon us, the one that fills out the log about our personal lives, the one that has brought forth this letter to us is the one who sees through it all. Remember what he told the church of Thyatira, I am the one whose eyes burn with fire. That means that all the fodder, all the cloak, all the hidings, I see completely through the beginning of the creation of God. This is not to say that Christ was created, but it is to say that he was there. Christ himself is the source. He is the origin of creation. He is the spoken word. He is the living word through his power. Everything was created because he is God. Now, we see the credibility of the physician. That's what was offered up here in verse 14. He tells the church of Laodicea, you're lukewarm. All this information that I'm going to give you, first, let me affirm to you that I am a credible resource to diagnose your problems. And he's still credible today. Now, he credibly diagnoses their problem, but now we see the church and their problem. Verses 15 through 17, I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou, thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. The Lord tells them that they are lukewarm. Well, we were told that we are lukewarm and our high and pious views of ourselves, where we would say, well, we're closer to boiling than we were if we were cold. But to the church in Laodicea, this had an, a severe meaning. They understood what it meant to be lukewarm. The church in Laodicea had no natural water there. Therefore, they had two sources of water. One was from Colossae, and the other one was from Hierapolis. Colossi was known as the main source of cold water. They were known for their cold springs. But the problem was by the time it was pumped down in those underwater aqueducts, by the time that cold water would arrive in Laodicea, it would also be lukewarm. Also, when you look on the side of Hierapolis, who was known for their hot, mineral-rich springs, but by time that water was pumped into under the aqueducts, by time it arrived in Laodicea, it was also lukewarm. It was stated and recorded that that water that came from Hierapolis, it was so mineral rich. But by time it had reached them and it was lukewarm, if you were tried to drink it, it would make you vomit. It wasn't even stomachable. When the Lord says unto them that they are lukewarm they know exactly what this means listen hot is refreshing cold is refreshing there is nothing refreshing about being lukewarm and they knew that what they was what the lord was saying to them in this letter is that you guys aren't even palatable You're like the water that's arrived from Hierapolis. I can't even digest you. just, Just the taste of you in my mouth makes me want to vomit. So the Lord is faithful to bring this report to the churches. The Lord is faithful to give them this diagnosis here. So the Lord tells them there's nothing refreshing about you, but why did the Lord tell them that they are lukewarm? What is these traits that makes them lukewarm? What is these traits that make you unpalatable to God? What are these traits that makes you say, the Lord say to you, you have nothing to do with me. What are the traits inside of a church that makes the Lord end up on the outside? Well, he tells us here, because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Their confidence wasn't on who they served, it's on what they possessed. Understand this, this beginning part of this text. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. They knew what this meant altogether. In 60 AD, this city, Laodicea, and the five surrounding cities was hit with a terrible earthquake. The earthquake devastated all six of the cities. Well, Rome had something that was equivalent to what we would call today FEMA. Remember when Katrina hit New Orleans, FEMA went down there and they began to rebuild the city, to bring aid, to bring support to a state in our nation that had been faced with a terrible devastation in 60 AD when this terrible earthquake struck all of these six surrounding cities it is uncertain on two facts one fact is we're not certain whether the people in Laodicea said to this effect we don't need you or they said to the other side of this We have this all under control. But regardless, it is recorded. While Rome sent FEMA to the other five cities, the Laodiceans said, we don't need your help. We have all the money we need. We don't need your FEMA camp workers. We have our own workers. We can take care of all of this ourselves. Now think about this in mind, that the Lord says this unto them, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. They said, we don't even need your help. We don't need Rome's help, even though our entire city was devastated. We have so much money. We are increased with goods. The Lord said, because you said this, that you needed nothing at all, it showed that you were in complete desperate need. Because they had compromised, because they had totally lost track that they had no power. It was once recorded that Thomas Aquinas said the Pope Innocent II, this friar, the Pope, while he was counting this big hoard of money, looked over at Thomas Aquinas and said to him, Thomas, it can no longer be said that the church can say silver and gold, have I none? And Thomas Aquinas looked at the Pope and said yes, and it also can be said that the um, neither can they say to the or anymore, arise and walk. I Meaning, the Pope was focused on we have the silver and gold now. Thomas Aquinas was saying, Yeah, but we don't have no power. That's exactly where Laodicea was. We have money, we have wealth, we have commerce, we've increased in goods. But on the other side of it, the Lord's saying, But you're off the hook. And you're never going to get the power until you get back on the base. You're never going to have the power to be a church that stands for me unless you come back and stand with me. The church of Laodicea was popular. It was prosperous. It was pragmatic. It was, it was polished. It was proud, but it was powerless. They had no power at all. Lastly, we see the prescription for the church. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And be zealous, therefore, and repent. Notice what the Lord's saying here. When I was growing up, my grandfather and my father both collected coins, which naturally turned me into a coin collector. One of the things about Being a coin collector that you always hear from every coin collector is that the biggest, worst decision that the United States ever made was that they left the gold standard. And by leaving the gold standard, there was no uh, rules or regulations in which they had to control how much money was printed and put in the population. The Lord's command to the church here in Laodicea, he said, I am giving you wise counsel. It is time to find yourself back underneath the gold standard. I, t- I counsel thee to buy gold of me. Come back to me. Find your wealth with me. You have now began to leave the gold standard and have, you have taken God's blessings for nothing. Think about this. This is what God is trying to get from us even in our own lives, right? God has blessed us in our lives, but his desire is for us to be at a place where we too are like Abraham, where we're willing to give our all, where we're willing to sacrifice that which is most precious unto us because of the cause of Christ, because we would sacrifice it for God because this is nothing compared to God. This is where he's challenging the church of Laodicea to get, I I counsel thee, by gold of me. When you have gold of me, then you truly have wealth. I'm sure some of the Laodiceans is mistaken of song. What do you mean, by gold of me? We already have wealth. We already have prosperity. We're already covered in this black wool. We have so much wealth. And the Lord says, this is the problem. You think you're rich, but you're miserable. You're poor and you're broke. I find it interesting that the Lord says, you're miserable. And anybody who's collected coins or collected gold or who, who, whose prides their possessions know that one of the worst thing about having a possession that you love so much is that you're in great fear of losing it. The Lord says, you guys have all this wealth and you're miserable because you live in fear of losing it. Peter calls for us when we live this life, he says, these fiery trials in which we live. To be willing to give our all in service to the Lord, and as we live this life of faith, we learn of our Lord's riches. He said, buy of me gold in the fire. The Laodiceans were spiritually bankrupt. Paul would go on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12 and 13 Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is There's coming a day where the Lord will judge the little. Lord, the Lord will try by fire, and not only the reason why we served will be revealed, but the things that had us in this ministry of serving the Lord will be revealed. Not only why we served, it'll be clear when we had the bad intentions in which we served, but and it'll be clear what, what even had us. They, meaning the Church of Laodicea, was without any fruits. Some petitioned that this church was full of lost people. I can't buy that because they were on the candlestick. Their origins were of the Lord. Their ending is unknown. But what I do see is that believers can get so consumed in this life. This is the equivalent of how the Lord ended up Outside of the doors of the church of Laodicea, this is equivalent. How the Lord ends up outside of the doors of our heart. This is equivalent. How the Lord is cast out from being preeminent in our life when we have no desire, when we have no sacrifice, when we have no yearning for the things of God, when we have no desire. Where is it? What is the fuel to the tank? The coal to the fire? What drives us in ministry? He says, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. This church had embarked on making their own way. They were, in truth, I guess you could say they were unsatisfied with in the manner that the Lord had clothed them. And they had tried their own way, and now they found themselves covered in this black wool. They were like the New Testament Adam and Eve's. They had covered themselves in the finest apparel where Adam and Eve had sewed fig leaves to try to hide their condition and situation from God. The New Testament Laodiceans had covered themselves with this black wool and said, "We're we're rich, we're increased with goods, we're covered, we're fine. And the Lord said, you are naked. You've covered yourself in this black wool, but it is insufficient you should be clothed in this white raiment. This is the reminder of the righteousness. He, he said, you guys should be clothed in my righteousness. You should be clothed in living for me, not in living for the world. He tells them, anoint thine eyes with salve that thou mayest see. Now, as we said that in the beginning of the sermon, that this place was known for an salve that was made from the ground that was there in Laodicea. Not only were they known in that entire area for the eye save in which they had. But they were known to train doctors with this eye save. So the Lord is saying to them there, you guys have a specialty field. You guys have a hospital that trains doctors. You are known across the world for your eye save." Everybody in Laodicea has the best treatment available for your eyes. Yet the Lord says to them, you have all of this and yet you are blind. It has not made you see. It hasn't helped you at all. You are blind. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. be zealous therefore and repent. The reminder is that those he rebukes are those he loves and those he loves, he chastens. That word, be zealous. The Lord is telling them, be hot again. Be hot again. Burn for me again. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. It is to say that he is at the door. He is at the door of our own lives. He is at the door of our own church. He's at the door of our own hearts. A man cannot answer why we have gone afar from God. The answer is, though, the, the fact is that we have gone afar from God. The things that used to break us, it's simple. It doesn't break us anymore. It's like it's not enough. The desires that we once had, we don't burn like that no more because, well, whatever it is, something else has our time. It's not that any less energy is exerted. It's that less is exerted for the Lord. Notice this amazing incentive here. This is an incentive that used to burn inside everyone. But like I said, in churches across America today, we are in the Laodicean age. People are just not moved either way. It just is what it is. We're just here. I mean, we're learning about God. If you want me to be more interested, if you want me to, you know, really enjoy myself, if you want me to interact with you, if you want me to stay awake, if you're going to have to do more, more, because the word of God is no longer enough. But notice this incentive here in verses 20 through 22. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Think about this. To him that overcometh. This is an amazing incentive. Will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. Meaning, I overcame. You can overcome. Even as and sat down with my father in his throne. Meaning, if Jesus is sitting down in his heavenly father's throne and we get to sit down in Jesus' throne, we will be sitting down with our heavenly father also. This is the incentive. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. (coughs) How cold our hearts must be to not be moved and desire to have that incentive. How cold our hearts must be to come to the house of God week after week and leave unsatisfied with the word of God. How cold our hearts must be to be challenged with the word of God and be pricked by the word of God, but leave here and shake it off like Samson did the Philistines all those times. How cold we must be to not be broken, that we once was something that we are not. We hear all the time. I learn it now even more myself. Every day I get up and say, oh, my goodness. I wrestle with my kids, and I realize how strong they are. And I say, man, I used to be way stronger than this. Used to be. Used to be. I am learning now as life goes on that I am aging and the things that I once was able to do, I am no longer able to do. But there is one area in my life I don't ever want to lose my strength. And that is in my service to the Lord. Service to the Lord doesn't mean that you used to vacuum this building, the old building and the family center every week and you can't physically do it no more. That's not service We're learning about in Sunday school about worship. And we learned about what it means to have a correct heart of service is when we have a correct view of God. If you do not have a correct view of God, this will bore you to death. There is no place that is more dreadful to be than the house of God when the Lord is not in it for you. It is the most terrible place. I told Sunday school this morning that my mother drugged me here. Drugged me. I did not want to be here. I loved my friends. I did not love this place. Now I have to tell myself that it's okay to go somewhere else and have a service there because I love this place so much because this is where God has put me to serve. There is something increasingly wrong across this nation Across this world, you go find another pastor, talk to him. He's going to tell you the same thing. Matter of fact, most of them say we're in the Laodicean age. And if that be so, okay. But I don't want to stay there. I don't want to stay there, and I can't account for nobody else. We, we're going to stay in the Laodicean age if we spend our time looking at everyone else and wondering where they are spiritually and wondering why they're not here. We're going to be miserable. The in church, whether they changed or whether they didn't change, whether some of them changed or not. No, Brother Tim is not going to change because I prayed and repented for him. Neither am I going to change because Brother Tim prayed and repented for me. We are all accountable to the Lord. And what this church does in its ministry, we will stand and give an account for. Safety is not in the pew. Safety is not in the pulpit. Accountability comes when we're put in service for the Lord. If we are unsatisfied, we must get back and find out either what's, re- what's taken its place, what's pulled us away, and find out why we've entered into this age of coldness. Why did we enter? I even in my own studies at times, I I have to stop my studies and stop my reading and start praying and say, God, break me again. Break me. I don't want to read your word and not weep. I don't want to read your word and not feel you. I don't want to read your word alone. I don't want to read your word and and think you're not here with me. I know this is not a novel. This book changed my life. Be with me. And until we get to a place that this book is not just like Tom Sawyer's Huckleberry Finn, we will continue in this Laodicean era. When this book grips our heart again, we will weep when we see the society and the way it is, and we will be reminded of the ministry God has put us in. And the ministry he's put us in here at the Witten Place Baptist Church. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, We give thanks to you for your word. We give thanks to you for the power that is in it, Lord. We pray that you'll send your spirit upon us. Strengthen us again in your word, Lord. Make your word alive to us in our reading. Make your word alive to us in our studies. Make it burn inside of us, Lord. Make it apparent to us that we are not alone, Remind us of the power that this book has. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.